Welcome to the Sterling Foursquare Church Podcast. Our mission is to offer hope for the broken, lives that are thriving, the equipping of believers, and the launching of leaders. More info can be found at sterlingfoursquare.com. Thank you for joining us today. This morning, we are uh, again in our sermon series called This Is My My Story. If you have been with us over the summer, then you've either bounced in and out to this series, or maybe you've been pretty consistent and you've walked all the way with us through it. But we've been focusing on the way that God uses story in Scripture to show us who He is and to frame our expectations about how He would work in our lives. We've been talking about the importance of our stories and the way that God would uh, be kind of the author of those and what type of beautiful manuscript he could write uh, of our lives when we submit the pen and the authorship to him. Uh, We've had a chance to hear from some of our pastors and leaders of their own kind of stories and testimonies, some different things along the way. And this morning, we're going to kind of draw this uh, uh, attention away from the individual storyline to the way that our stories intersect and connect. That really, that your story, as much as it would be just kind of you and and Jesus and kind of your main storyline, that it is actually something that intersects with the storylines of those that you come in contact with, and that in essence, God is trying to write all of those together into one redemptive narrative, that there really is one story that God's trying to tell, and it's of his love and redemption for all of creation. And so we're going to be shifting our attention away from just you and just your story, just me and kind of what's going on and how that might be helpful to the way that God draws our stories together and how we should interact when we intersect into one another's storylines. This summer, uh, we've had an opportunity as a family to take a few different road trips. Uh, We've had a chance to, to travel a little bit. Um, and we always get to this point where we're trying to like break the kids away from their devices, to wean them off of, of, of their devices. And one of the things that has been helpful uh, to move them away from their dependence on a, their electronic device and to keep dad awake at the same time as he's driving is we began to listen to audiobooks. And I hadn't really thought about doing this. Um, as a kid, we used to listen to books on tape, but that's because like, it was books on tape or you just stared out the window, right? I mean, there wasn't a lot of choices. And now that there's so many other things out there, it, w- it wasn't something that was at the forefront of my mind. Um, but uh, my wife and I ended up deciding we were going to start um, some audiobooks. And she started a series by Judy Bloom, and it's called The Fudge Series. Um, and maybe you are aware of Judy Bloom as an author, and maybe you know some of the books. Uh, I had heard the name. I'd never read any of the books. I had no framework or context for what was happening. And it was just like, hey, this is a book, and we're going to start it, and so here we go. And so we started with the first book in the series called Tales of a Fourth Grade Nothing. Maybe some of you remember that book. There's a main character named Peter Hatcher, and he's got a little brother named Fudge, uh, and that's what he's referred to. There's a neighbor girl down the hall named uh, Sheila Tubman, and there's a number of other different uh, people in the building that are brought into the story, and pets, and kind of misadventures, and, and we went through that. And the whole story is written as uh, a first-person character in which Peter Hatcher is kind of writing this story. 
And we got to the end of it, and we were still kind of in our travels, and we decided we were going to go to the second book in the series. And again, I didn't know any of the titles, and I didn't have a framework for what was going on. But the second book started, and I was like caught off guard, because the second book is not written as first person Peter Hatcher. It's written first person Sheila Tubman. So the girl that you are hearing all the stuff about from Peter's perspective and Fudge's misadventures and kind of had framed her out in kind of a certain way of thinking about her and who she was, now all of a sudden the second book, she's the speaking voice and she's talking about Peter and Fudge from her own perspective. And the whole story changes. Even backcasting to the first story, you start thinking about those events and how they impacted her in a much different way because now you're seeing her in a different light because her voice is now the speaking voice. And one of the things that, that brought me uh, to my remembrance just this week was the idea of, of, about how those things that they shared in common were different in each of their storylines. But the way that they responded, their perspective, and how they interacted really did impact one story from the other. And just kind of considering the series that we're in, our, our story is your story, my story, that they're connected. Like when you and I interact, like our storylines kind of, they, they merge in a sense. And we have this common experience. We have this common interaction. It leaves an impact and it sets things in motion that even after maybe we're not talking later, you know, after church or, or maybe there's uh, seasons in your life where somebody was a part of your life and then now they, they, they just no longer are for whatever reason. There's, there's lasting threads and themes and impact because those convergence of stories took place. And for followers of Jesus, right, if, if you're a, a follower of Jesus, it's, it's even more so the case because when you are invited to follow Jesus, you are invited to follow Jesus with his followers, right? Some of us uh, found that out after we had already committed to following Jesus and we felt like we were like tricked, right? Because it's like, hey, I was like so stoked to follow Jesus, but to follow Jesus with like this other guy that's following Jesus, like this just got really hard. Uh, and he probably thought the same thing about me. Like as we begin to follow, we follow with the collective followers. The closer you get to Jesus, the closer you get to the other people who are getting close to Jesus. And so there's this singular community that we're invited into. It's the reason why Paul uses the language of there's one body and many parts, uh, that's one of his favorite metaphors to describe what it means to be a part of the family of God or to be a part of the body of Christ. Things that we would kind of say pretty normative in a church circle now. He uses that to frame out our understanding that we're individual, unique, and different, but we're also not separate or isolated or living in a bubble, that we're connected one to another. And it's in that community, in that connection, that God's plans and purposes really come to the fullest fruition and flourishment. And this morning, as part of this series, we're going to highlight a few stories that are happening within our church family, particularly that are impacting our pastors and staff. And each of them is kind of in their own storyline, kind of walking out their own thing, but we're connected to it. And it impacts you and I, it impacts our church, and invariably it impacts our community as a result of that, 
and we're going to share a little bit of those stories so that we're all kind of in the know. We're going to pray for each of those individuals because we're all going to come alongside that storyline. We're also going to consider the fact that as you and I go out into the community and just kind of go through our, you know, Monday to Saturday kind of daily lives, that what we do impacts everyone we come in contact with, and there should be a theme of our life that draws people to the love of God. So if you've got your Bible, go ahead and get that out. Lord, we take a moment to pause our hearts, to pause our minds, Lord, to rest our emotions, just to, to sit. And Jesus, we invite you. We invite you into this moment. We invite you into this shared story moment. Lord, give us eyes to see and ears to hear what you would speak to us through your word. Lord, give us courageous faith that we would put it into practice this week. In Jesus' name, amen. With your Bibles out, if you would go ahead and open up to Romans chapter 12. We're going to be there really for our entirety this morning. There's going to be a couple other verses that we correlate to, and I'll invite you to um, view those on the screen unless you're a really quick Bible flipper, and then you can get there uh, on your own. But we're going to be in Romans chapter 12 today, and um, without having the time to deal with the storylines and the whole of this chapter, in chapter 12 of Romans, Paul turns his attention to the way that the Christian is supposed to live. He gets really, really practical in the way that we should assign our lives and how we're supposed to interact with those that we come in contact with. And he leads with a pretty interesting statement. He says, I urge you, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. And he starts with this idea that the life that we live is supposed to be something that is set apart for the plans and purposes of God. When I was studying this out this week, it's, a, it's really interesting because oftentimes the translators will say you are to offer your bodies, the physical person of who you are, as a living sacrifice that is holy and pleasing to God. But there's a, there's a place in the phrasing in the Greek where it really emphasizes that you should offer, offer your body as a sacrifice that is alive. Paul's actually drawing a distinction between what it used to take to please God or to atone for sins. All the Old Testament sacrificial system was based on a death, right? Uh, the animal came in, it did not go out unless it was on a barbecue plate, right? Burnt offerings were burnt for a reason. And it, it, it was framed out that way. But as Paul starts talking about the sacrifice that we offer the Lord, it's no longer a death. Jesus died that death, right? There was one death that covered all. And now our sacrifice is our lives that we live. It's a living sacrifice, and that in living aligned with the plans and purposes of God, that is holy and pleasing unto him. And then he moves from there and he says, don't conform to the patterns of this world. Don't live the old way anymore. Don't live according to sin and brokenness, but have your minds renewed and it sets it on a new trajectory. So he, he starts with this idea that the life that you and I are supposed to live, or for our purposes metaphorically, the story that you are walking out, that that should be one that the very life expressed in how you go about doing life should be something that is set apart for the things of God and brings pleasure to him. That your story should move in that way. And then Paul moves from this idea of your life being individually expressed 
to he moves to the metaphor of, in just a few verses, the idea of being a part of the whole. And he gets to that body language where he says the body is made up of a bunch of different parts, but we all collectively make this whole. We should celebrate all of those things, and we're all unique in expressing these things in different ways. And so he moves from this idea of your story has significance and should be set apart for the things of God to your story is connected to all of the others and there is a way for that intersection to be something that aligns with God's story of redemption. And he says something in uh, verse 9 that I would say should be the theme, right? If we're using kind of this storyboard type of a language or your storyline in a sense, there is a common theme that all of our stories should express. And it says this in Romans chapter 12, verse 9, first part of the verse, he says, love must be sincere. You're a note taker, you're a highlighter, at least this part of the rest of the chapter. This should be something that's highlighted and set apart. Because with this statement, Paul delineates all of what is about to come after this. On the first part, he's saying, hey, you need to offer yourself in the life that you live to holy and, uh, holy and pleasing to the Lord, and you need to know that you're connected to others in the way that you do that. And then this verse designates the how. How are we supposed to interact when our stories intersect? How are we supposed to interact when we come in contact with others? How are we supposed to walk out our storyline while somebody else is walking out their storyline? And what do we do when they intersect? How do I resolve the problems between Peter Hatcher and Sheila Tubman, right? Those are things that are real and a part of the daily lives that we live. And he begins with this idea that love must be sincere. And really, for our purposes, this is what he's saying. The theme of your life has to be love. And love must be sincere. A better way for us to frame this out is genuine love is displayed in purposeful action. Because everything after this statement goes to the way that you and I would interact with one another. And there's all kinds of things in here. There's everything from celebrating with those who are in a high point to like sitting in the ashes with someone who's lost it all to how to be hospitable, how to hold yourself in humility, how to honor others. It's all over the place on touching how to care for and, uh, and, and, and provide um, godly community around those that you end up interacting with. And as I begin to share kind of the three storylines from our church leadership this morning, we're going to pull from the, that part of the passage really what our appropriate response is going to be. I'm going to share a part of their storyline that's happening right now. I'm going to have them come forward, and we're going to pray for them. When we pray for them at that point, I'm going to ask you to stand with us when we do that. Those of you who are joining us at home or online, I'd ask you to do the same. I would ask you to stand in, in solidarity, be a part of what we're going to pray and seal over them in this place, but then be considering how that applies to our own lives and how we can invite others to be a part of those things. Um, I'm going to kind of go through a timeline of when these events began to be put in motion, and so that's a helpful framework for me. And then we're going to be looking in this passage to pull out an appropriate response, and we're going to do that together as a family. Uh, but last May, so just a few months ago, at the end of May, we had what is called connection. 
Uh, and some of you would be like, I don't know what you're talking about, and I know that, and that's why I'm going to describe it to you. But connection is the language that they use in our denomination around our yearly convention body gathering. And so pastors and leaders from all over the United States and really all over the world, because Foursquare is an international denomination, um, all converged on Orlando, Florida for what was called connection. And so Pastor Beth and I, we took our kids and we got a chance to do a few days of fun with them. And then we got to be a part of the general convention body and to just um, be a part of all that God is doing in our movement of churches. But one of the things that they do at convention and that they did this year is that they had an ordination ceremony. Um, They had a a special service that was set aside by pastors and leaders within our denomination who had been licensed pastors but were now eligible to be ordained and to be set aside for that, to be prayed over, and to be celebrated in that way. And it was particularly moving for us this year because we had one of our pastors here at Sterling Foursquare who got to participate in that ordination ceremony, and that was Pastor Cameron. Pastor Cameron, in May, got to go to Connection and to be a part of ordination, and we got to celebrate him. And it's awesome, and it's a really big deal. And you haven't heard anything about it because we got to the trip and Pastor Beth and I were gone the weekend before and Cameron and kind of his family were holding down the fort. And then on the backside of the trip, Pastor Beth and I were back and we were holding down the fort and all the harms were gone. It was like we were switching stuff up and then life got moving. And so we weren't able to actually celebrate that or make that announcement, but it is significant. It's something that needs to be celebrated. You need to know about it. And it needs to be something that we uh, pray over as well. And so Pastor Cameron and Cam are going to come forward. We're going to pray over them. In Romans chapter 12, the first part of verse 15, here's our appropriate response as we intersect their storyline. It says, rejoice with those who rejoice. Celebration is significant to the Lord. And unfortunately, in our, um, in, in, in our culture, uh, it is either something that, that moves towards hedonism or we just like, neglect it all along. And sometimes somebody will come with good news and it's good news for them and not necessarily for us. It doesn't impact us. And we'll even respond with something like, well, that's good for you. Can I tell you that in the body of Christ, something that is good for you is good for me because we're connected and we're together and that is an appropriate response. And so Cameron and Kim, if you guys would come forward, church family, if you would stand, we're going to pray over them. We're going to celebrate them with applause and then we'll send them right back to their seats and we'll keep moving. So Cameron um, finished his licensing a couple years ago. He immediately came on staff at that point. He was a part of our worship um, and um, leadership, and he's still a part of that expression. And then he moved into a role as our Connections uh, pastor. And so he oversees our Connect groups. He oversees the way that we connect and care and community, and he's doing a great job in that. And if you know Cameron, then you know that you feel connected uh, to him, and he looks to connect you to the Lord. You also know that you are cared for really well. We um, affirm you. We receive you. We want to celebrate you. And we're going to pray over you. Church family, if you would extend your hands. Those at home, if you would participate with us. Lord, we thank you for the gift that Cameron is to this community. Lord, we thank you for the gift that he is specifically to our church. 
Lord, I thank you that at every opportunity for Kim and for Cameron, that they've said yes to the next thing that you've put out in front of them. Lord, even hard yeses, even times where they uh, were caused to sacrifice other things to move into the plans and purposes of your life. I thank you for their courageous faith. I thank you for their genuine shepherd hearts. Lord, I thank you that there's a desire to see people connected in healthy, thriving relationships with one another and with you. And I thank you that you have taxed them with that and that they rely on your spirit for that uh, completion. Lord, we pray a special blessing over Cameron. Lord, we affirm that he has been set apart. We affirm that he has been ordained for this task. And Lord, we ask that you would give him a double portion of your spirit. And Lord, that you would lead him into the next steps and the next places of purpose and expression that you have for him. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You guys can go ahead and be seated. I shared with somebody earlier this week that we were going to be doing this. I think it was one of my council members. And their first question was like, is he leaving? Uh, no, he's not. Like, he just, he gets a hug and a pat on the back. And then we're rolling on with Jesus. So, but we rejoice with those who rejoice. The next storyline is something that started for me at the beginning of June. Uh, the beginning of June, it was a Tuesday um, and uh, on Tuesdays, I have my executive team meeting. I call it Calibrate. So all of my pastors and staff, we meet and we have a meeting to make sure that we're all on the same page and that we're all prayerfully pursuing the things that God has out in front of us. And then after that meeting, I have what I call my one-on-ones. And so with each of my executive team, as time allows and as a, is appropriate with what's going on in the church, I meet with them one-on-one. And I ask them three questions before we move on. And here's the three questions I always ask. I first ask, how are you doing? And in that, they know I'm asking them, how are you doing in your person, right? And that's you as a person and spiritually with the Lord. How are you doing in your family? And then how are you doing in your leadership? Are you growing? Are you being challenged? Are you learning? And so I ask, how are you doing? And then I move to two other questions. I ask, what are you doing? And that has to do with their tasks and their roles and the efforts here in our church community. And that comes second because it's more important to me whether or not they're healthy than whether or not they're getting stuff done. Healthy people are going to produce things that are healthy in the, in the family of God. Unhealthy people will just get things done. Uh, and, and we're not about that. And so I asked that question. And then the third question I ask is, what do you need? So are there, are there resources? Is there help? Are there ideas? Are there decisions? That, are there roadblocks so that I can free you into all of what you're doing? And so on that Tuesday, we had actually had a calibrate. It was a particularly celebratory one because it was Pastor Tom's birthday. Uh, we had spoke life into him and over him. We prayed for him. It was a great calibrate meeting. We were full of life and we were ready to go. And then I had my executive team meeting that was coming on the heels of that. And it was just a little bit after lunch. And Pastor Tom came in and he sat with me and I started with, how are you doing? And we didn't get much further than that. And some of you know kind of the, the challenge that Pastor Tom and Lori have been walking through really since that beginning part of June. If you were here last week when Pastor Tom was doing our worship transition and he was talking about the storms of life and, and really having to lean into and trust Jesus in the midst of those things and just the, the there, was, there was like this uh, depth and lived out declaration of faith that if you weren't aware of the circumstance of his life, you would still know that it was tied to something he was presently experiencing. And so when I was in that meeting, I began with, how are you doing? And he began to share 
the news. And what had just recently happened is that uh, Lori had gone to the doctor and she had got an unfavorable diagnosis for some things that were happening with her. And um, the diagnosis was breast cancer and that it was already serious. And, and the room got heavy and it got quiet. And I can tell you, when you are dealing with challenges like that, like the what are you doing and the what do you need, like you don't ever get there. You start dealing with where you are and what's appropriate. And it's been weeks that I've got to walk with my friends. And I'm not the only one. There's been some other pastors and leaders and some of you who are part of their concentric circles of friendship and relationship that are already aware of this. But it's important for all of us to know. Because Paul says this in another part of his metaphor use of the body. He says, when one part suffers, all suffer. Like when when one part is challenged, when one part is hurt, when one part is dealing with difficulty, it impacts the whole. And even though many of us would live our lives so individualistically, it would be as if that doesn't happen. The reality of the spiritual community is that that is very much the case. So the places that you and your own person, the places that you're challenged right now, the places where you're stuck, the places where you've got offense and brokenness, as much as you might want to just John Wayne it and just be like, man, I'm just going to deal with it on my own. Can I tell you that if you're hurt, we're hurt. And if you're healthy, we're healthy. That it impacts the whole what's going on with the part. And so we've been kind of trying to walk through this and steward this as is appropriate. And one of the things that we want the whole family to know is that this is a reality, that this impacts Pastor Tom, it impacts our staff, it impacts our church, it impacts our community. And that we all need to be aware of that. Now, on the other side of that, there's a, a, a doctor's plan that is, is optimistic, that they are um, pretty sure that they know what to do and how to do it, and it's got a high success rate. Um, Lori is going to start her health plan tomorrow with chemo, and it's going to be something that there's a number of components to this. Her, her journey begins tomorrow, and it stretches till May. That's the, the timeline of this. And so there's, it's, a, it's a big scope. But more than the doctor's optimism, as I have walked with particularly Tom in our interactions, they're confident in what God has spoken. See, there's man's optimism, there's medical optimism, there's the doctor's optimism, and those things you would prefer to have than not have. So let's acknowledge that. But the Lord has spoken several times to them about how he's going to see them through this and what that's going to look like, particularly when it comes to the idea of peace and life. And one of the things that Tom shared with me just this morning is that the Lord had spoken to them in a way that said that Lori was going to walk through this with flying colors. And if you know Tom, Tom is a a, a teacher, he's a learner, he's a thinker, he's a I want to learn and know. Uh, And so he was like, what does that even mean, flying colors? So he did all the research for you, and you're welcome. So the rest of you are like, I was just about to Google that. It comes, from, it, 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 it comes from maritime practice, from when, when ships went out, um, both in um, battle and in merchant um, uh, um, expressions, 
And what would happen is when a ship would return, if it came back victorious, if it came back successful, it came back flying the colors. And if it was unsuccessful, it either came back with its colors down, like it's hiding its name tag, right? Or it didn't come back. I mean, if it really was unsuccessful, it didn't come back. But the Lord has spoken to them in a way that says, hey, on the other side of this, the ship's coming in and the colors are going to fly, that there's a victory in this. And so that's where we are, are standing and that's where we are contending and that's where we prayerfully come alongside them. It was referenced a little bit earlier during our time of worship in Galatians chapter 6, verse 2. Uh, Paul says to carry one another's burdens. That there's an appropriateness to the difficulties that you and I face of others coming alongside and lending their strength. to Getting their shoulder underneath it and, and bearing that burden with us, with you. And I would draw your attention to this because in particular, we have a tendency to not allow others to come and lend their strength to us. We try to bear it up under our own strength. But the way that the body of Christ is supposed to work, the way that the community of of Jesus followers is supposed to work, is to be vulnerable enough to invite others to be part of the hard things in our life and to help us endure and persevere into the victory that God has promised us. And then I would let you know that there are things about the difficulties of life that are too heavy for you, and they're too heavy for you with just help from your friends. You need to recognize that. And I love the reminder in Psalm 68 where the psalmist says this, praise be to the Lord, to God our Savior, who daily bears our burdens. And so this is a, this is a, a different storyline in our church. This isn't a rejoice with those who rejoice. The second part of that same verse, it says mourn with those who mourn. That in the weighty seriousness of life, that there is a willingness to come alongside and to sit and hold space in those times of difficulty and to say, I will lend my person and my strength. Some of you are immediately going to want to try to talk to me after service and say, Pastor, what can I do? Okay, so let me give you your first action step right now. Sign up for the e-news. Why? Because this week we'll have an email that goes out to our church family that has appropriate ways to come alongside Tom and Lori at this moment, and we will use that to continue to adjust that as it's needed going forward. But the one thing that is always appropriate is to bear those burdens to the Lord. And the best way I know to do that is to do that prayerfully. And so as a church family, we are going to gather together and we are going to contend for the Lord to move in this situation. Pastor Tom and Lori, if you guys would come forward. Church family, if you would stand. And those of you joining us at home, again, I would encourage you to stand. If you would extend your hands. Lord, we acknowledge that you are the great physician. Lord, we acknowledge that you demonstrate your power and your might. Lord, we acknowledge that even um, with the difficulties of life, that you are the one who speaks and the storm is still. And Lord, we acknowledge that you have spoken to Tom and Lori in this, about this. Lord, that there is an assurance of your presence and of your power and of your person, Lord, that there's an assurance that the ship comes in with the flags up. And Lord, we don't know um, what 
the, the tempest is going to hold. We don't know how the sea will rage, or we don't know what the waves are going to look like. We don't have any certainty about the journey, but we have a certainty about the homecoming. And so, Lord, we ask that you would guard hearts and minds, Lord, that where the enemy would try to bring fear with the unknown, that we would be certain of the one that we do know. Lord, that where they have heard you speak, that they would hold fast to your word, that they would hold fast to your spoken promise. Lord, I pray for peace over their hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And Lord, as a church family, would you draw our hearts to their story? Would you draw our hearts, Lord, to their persons, that we would lend our strength as appropriate and as, as timely as able in order to help them bear this burden? But God, we bring this to you, and Lord, we lay it at your feet. And we trust you, King Jesus. We trust you, King Jesus. Lord, I thank you for the way that they have um, walked this out in honesty before you and others. Lord, I thank you for the way that they have expressed their faith and their courage. Lord, I thank you for the way that they have demonstrated what it means to trust you in times of difficulty. And Lord, I pray that you would use this story and this example to draw people to Jesus in your name. Amen. You guys can go ahead and be seated. We've got one last storyline that we're going to highlight this morning. So we've rejoiced. Uh, with those who rejoice, there's a celebration that is appropriate. We've got some heavy stuff that we're going to walk through as a church family, and we're going to steward that as well. Um, on that same Tuesday, and I like to say I had a doozy of a Tuesday because dad jokes, right? Same day, I followed up uh, my, my meeting with, with Pastor Tom. I ended up following up a meeting with Pastor Bob. Pastor Bob comes in. I've got my three questions ready for him, and how are you doing? And we're going to get through those things. We're going to get to what are you doing and what do you need. And we got to how are you doing, and we never got out of that one either. And as we began to talk and as we began to kind of go over what God had been doing and Bob and Kimberly in the recent months prior to that and things that he'd been uh, hearing the Lord speak to him in ways that he's been moving in his life over the last year, really, we ended up kind of landing on the end of this conversation where what Pastor Bob was trying to tell me in the kindest way possible is that he was going to retire. And I don't know how to feel about that. Because there's a part of wanting to celebrate because something is done and finished well. And there's a part in me that wants to mourn because I know what that means. And I'm not necessarily sure how to hold that, but that is a storyline that we all need to be aware of and that we all need to celebrate to the degree that we can and that we all need to support as much as we are able. And as we began to have that conversation, he began to lay out a timeline for that, the staff has all kind of known for a little bit. The council has been brought on board over the successive weeks. Again, this was early June that Pastor Bob and I spoke about this. Uh, and then he went to Wisconsin for three weeks on vacation. And I couldn't tell anybody while he was gone because that's a poor move. And so they got back yesterday and they are with us today. We're going to pray over them in just a moment. But Pastor Bob is going to officially retire on September 1st, which is coming 
pretty quick. Now, this morning, we're going to pray for him. We're going to celebrate, but we'll actually have a retirement event. This will be something that we do big and that we do well, but you do need to be aware of the storyline because, again, it impacts all of us, some in different ways and some in deeper ways, but it does impact all of us as we go forward. And again, I I wouldn't say that this is, I want to rejoice with this. And so I don't think that's the response out of Romans 9 that I would use. And it's certainly not something to necessarily mourn or to grieve. It's not a sitting in ashes type of a moment. But there's another way that we're supposed to respond to one another when it's an appropriate intersection of our stories. And in Romans chapter 12, verse 10, it says this, honor one another honor one another. And that's the appropriate response for us as a congregation this morning. So Pastor Bob and Kimberly, if you guys would come forward, we're going to honor you. We're going to pray over you, acknowledging that this is just a statement piece and that we will do this well and in earnest as we get closer to that date. You guys all stood up. I didn't even have to ask you. This is, you guys, what a great class. In um, 1 Timothy chapter 5, I was thinking about you this morning, and this verse came to mind. Um, But as Paul's writing to Timothy about uh, the pastors and leaders in the church, he says that, that those who direct the affairs of the church, those who step into roles where they are caring and stewarding, for others, he uses this phrase. He says, uh, they are worthy of double honor. That they are worthy of double honor. Um, Bob and Kimberly were a, a gift to our church family. And those of you who know them and have had them kind of impress upon your lives, you would affirm that. But I can tell you, you actually don't know how good and how timely they were for the life of this church and what God was doing. There's only a few that would know of what the need was and where we were as a church and the, the catalyst that they were towards health and growth. And much of what you see as just kind of, well, that's just the way things are, weren't the way things were until they were brought here to partner with Beth and I. Um, they were um, a, a very timely and purposed gift from God, and I would just give voice to the idea of double honor. I think that that would fall short, even in my mind, that there is not enough honor that I could speak over you guys um, adequately. And there's a a bittersweet uh, element to this, Um, and again, I've had some time to process. Many of you, you're like, what? Like, I wasn't ready for this this morning. That's all right. We've got a little bit of time, and uh, they're not going anywhere immediately. You just need to know they're here for now. Um, but uh, we're going we're gonna to pray over them today. And I did feel like I needed to share this, um, that what God has for you next is not less. Like it's, it's, not a, it's not a less than. This isn't a closing of your person. It's not a closing of his plans and purpose and will. Uh, It's a transition into a next, and next is always, I believe, better. It may be different, but it's going to be better. And I was reminded of Matthew chapter 25. Jesus uh, gives a parable of the faithful servants. And it's one that many people would be familiar with. At the end of it, when when the servant is being commended, the words are spoken, well done, good and faithful servant. And many of us have probably heard messages about that. We would all want God to say that to us when, when we were done with something that he had entrusted us 
with, but we almost closed the thought there. There's actually more to what was spoken. It's well done, my good and faithful servant. Now come and enter into your master's happiness. It's not just a well done. It's you did so well. Come with me into what's next. And I believe that that's what the Lord is speaking to you. And he's speaking to that to us as well. That even as this would be something that the Lord is orchestrating that would change the direction of Bob's timeline, his storyline, it changes and impacts all of us as well. But he would say the same thing to us as a church family. Well done. Now enter into this new expression of the master's happiness. Like this is going to be, this is going to be fruitful for us. And this is going to be fruitful for you. And it's going to, as a product, be something that impacts the kingdom of God. So if you would extend your hand, Lord, we thank you for Pastor Bob, and we thank you for Kimberly, Lord, we thank you for their faithfulness, not just here, but in many years of ministry and following you. Lord, we acknowledge the gift that they have been. Lord, the, the gift that they have been to our church family. Lord, we acknowledge um, just the grace on their life and the impact that we've had, and we honor it. Lord, we would speak double honor over them. We would speak double honor over the fruit of their lives. And Lord, we would speak life into the next season, Lord, that whatever this uh, moves them into and however this shifts and moves things within our church family, that we would know that we are moving into your happiness because we have seasoned uh, this last time well. Lord, that we have been faithful to steward your greatest gifts and we can trust you with what's next. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. If you guys would stay standing, I'm going to have the worship team come forward. We're going to go ahead and close. And I want you to just think for a moment as they're, as they're taking their place. Like the, the three stories that we highlighted here, all very different. Celebration, challenge, not sure how to feel about this one, right? There's, they're, they're all over, but listen to me, those are not the only stories in this room. Like every one of you has a story going on right now. Some of you have places that you're rejoicing. Some of you have places of deep hurt and sorrow. Some of you have those things going on at the same time and so you don't even know what you're feeling on the inside. Some of you are going through seasons of transition. Some of you are going through seasons where God is calling you to take a risk and a step of faith. He's calling you out. Some of you, he's calling you home because you've been running for a while. Some of you, he's asking for you to sit still so that he can work. Some of you are being made whole. Some of you are being asked to lend your strength or your resource. And all, listen to me, all of those stories are significant. All of those are important. Because if the Lord's drawn you here to be a part of what he's doing here at this church, then your story is significant and matters and it impacts all of us. And so I want to encourage you, the places in your life right now that are worth celebrating, invite others to celebrate with you. Share your joy. And the places in your life right now that are just, they're just a, a trudge. You're just like grinding it out and trying to make, Pastor, I'm just trying to make it to tomorrow. Then find somebody and share that burden with them and invite them to lend their strength. 
that it's collectively when we bring these storylines together and we enter into God's redemption story for our community, that's where our greatest impact is. When we're all contending for a move of God, where we're all contending in our personal lives and in the life of our church community for God to move in a way that nobody is ever the same. That we contend and ask the Lord to do that. And in a very practical way, scripture says this, to bear one another's burdens and to encourage one another daily. And so Lord, is just a simple step of faith. Would you help us to do that this week? that we would, we would see a burden that needs a little extra, that we would lend our strength, that we would lend our person, Lord, that we would be willing to come alongside those that need a little extra. And Lord, that we would be willing to encourage one another daily. Lord, that we would give voice to the hope that we have, that we would invite people to be part of those moments of celebration, and that we would call out the things in their own lives that they should celebrate, that they should rejoice, that they should really give voice to. Lord, help us to move in a way that we would be faithful in what you've called us to do. And at the end, we would hear well done and be invited into what is next as an individual and as a church community in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Action steps for this week. Snap a picture of these or catch these on Facebook. Number one, read Romans chapter 12. This week, it would just be a good one to read through as a whole. Consider how we impact the stories of one another and then resolve or purpose or make the decision that you're going to love with sincerity when you interact with others this week.